It is indeed a pleasure to have this privilege to play here for you. And we, we intend to give you a very fine program, so just settle back, relax, and enjoy the moment. 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 Welcome back to a special Mic'd Up on OWN Radio. This is your daily COVID-19 news update for Low Country listeners. I'm your host, Mika Gadsden. It's Monday, March 30th, and it's about, mm, yep, it's 5.28 a.m. And guys, so much news broke over the weekend. Almost immediately after I wrapped up my recording on Friday, uh, we just had local news break from our elected officials. Check this out. On Friday afternoon, Congress passed the largest emergency spending bill in American history, topping $2 trillion. A quorum is present. The motion is adopted. One member of Congress who was not there for the vote today, Democratic Congressman Joe Cunningham of South Carolina. Moments after this historic vote took place, Cunningham's office put out a statement saying that he has, in fact, tested positive for coronavirus. I spoke with him yesterday afternoon and asked him what it's been like to be working as a member of Congress in quarantine. Congressman, how are you working through being self-quarantined and isolated right now? Basically, business goes on uh, as usual from, from my end as it relates to uh, stay in touch with our constituents. I um, essentially spend my days on the phone, on email, uh, answering emails, answering questions, and and just uh, keeping in contact with my colleagues who are working, you know, across the country, and and dialing into a lot of conference calls. You know, fairly similar to how other people's day to day routines are going ongoing. What in- Shout out to Vice News for that bit of reporting, and I'd like to extend. Get well wishes to Congressman Cunningham. I hope that he has a speedy recovery, and I hope that his family, his wife and his small child, and any members of his family, I hope that they all are healthy and he's uh, poised for a speedy recovery. So we'll keep our eye on that. These are the numbers you should know in terms of the total number of positive cases reported by DHEC. Take a listen. DHEC confirming an additional 113 cases, bringing South Carolina's total to 774 cases across 40 counties. Another person has died as a result of exposure to COVID-19, meaning there are now 16 deaths in the state. Charleston County is still the hardest hit with another eight people infected, now leading the state with 116 positive cases and one death. The numbers you just heard reported by our local NBC affiliate, WCBD, um, those numbers still stand as of the time of this recording. It's shortly before 6 a.m. Monday morning, and we're still standing at 774 total test positive cases for COVID-19 and a confirmed 16 deaths here in South Carolina. Uh, the next sound you hear is from the governor. He held a press conference uh, this weekend. It was, uh, yeah, it was on Saturday. So take a listen to new orders issued by our governor, Governor Henry McMaster. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have uh, a good bit of information to give out today. Uh, we are making progress. The one thing I would like to announce is I've just issued a, another executive order that is a mandatory quarantine. We know that there are hot spots around the country. They've been identified, some very clearly, others are being identified now. But uh, by the authority vested in me by the statutes and the Constitution, I've issued another executive order that requires those people coming into our state, regardless of whether they came from our state or someplace else, if they're coming to South Carolina from one of those hot spots, 
uh, they must self-quarantine for 14 days, for two weeks. And there is a criminal penalty attached for failure to comply with that executive order. And the executive order mentions specifically the states of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, and also the city of New Orleans, all of which have been identified as hotspots. There's a lot to impact in that statement, that brief little clip, um, courtesy of SCETV, featuring the voice of our governor, South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster. Um, what really struck me as something to watch was his language around criminalizing folks who violated this quarantine that he just enacted via executive order. Now, if you've been following the news this weekend, you know that our president, President Trump, he sent out a series of tweets that intimated that he was going to issue a travel ban from states that are currently overwhelmed with COVID-19 infections. He has since walked it back. There's um, some communication regarding a travel advisory, but not a travel ban. And it seems as if Henry McMaster, our governor, was influenced by some of the ideas floated by our, our president. We need to watch, and I would suggest that you follow, that you reach out to, that you keep up with the news from the ACLU, specifically our South Carolina branch. They've been at the forefront in issuing statements to our press and letting folks understand like, you know, when an infringement on civil liberties or civil rights or human rights is being violated, we um, respect and we honor our elected officials, but we understand also that they don't always get it right. And so we want to watch the language that communicates anything like that sounds like a travel ban or that you can be jailed for violating a quarantine. It's something to watch. I'm, I'm going to leave it there. Um, at that press conference, though, uh, we had two senators present. We had senators Lindsey Graham and Tim Scott present. And here's uh, some more audio from another news outlet, WLTX, uh, Channel 19, CBS affiliate from Columbia. So take a listen to them. The numbers are suggesting that the social distancing that we've all been practicing has flattened the curve. That's really good news. Unfortunately, flattening the curve is not enough yet. But if we continue to do this for another week or two, I think we'll find ourselves in a really strong position to have the resources and the hospital beds and everything that's necessary. So I think we're in good shape. Thanks, guys. Comparatively speaking to where we would have been without flattening the curve. So I'm not suggesting that we're in good shape now, just generically speaking, but as it relates to keeping the uh, numbers down, uh, the, the, the more we socially distance, the better off we all are. Well, we also had a chance to talk one-on-one -on -one with Senator Graham. He believes the virus will meet some resistance with warmer weather, but come back in the fall. Take a listen. I've been told by a lot of uh, experts who have testified before the Congress come and tell us that heat's not a friend. That doesn't mean it goes away. It slows down the spread. There's three phases to this campaign against the virus. The spring phase is so important to follow. So you just heard the voices of uh, Senator Graham and Senator Scott. They accompanied our governor, Henry McMaster, at his press conference on uh, Friday. And so the reporters were able to get additional comment from them uh, following that press conference. Uh, shout out to WLTX, the CBS News affiliate from Columbia, South Carolina, for that audio. Um, I'd also like to, uh, to call to your attention the messaging that you heard. You heard a whole spring timeline, an emphasis on spring. The numbers should look better in spring. A very optimistic tone, and, and I don't begrudge 
either senator for being optimistic and encouraging around this news because the news can be overwhelmingly sad and overwhelmingly, um, you know, just depressing, to be honest. So they are striking a tone of optimism. They have, uh, again, cited uh, spring dates. We know the president has made it a point to try to, I guess, reopen the economy and reopen the country by Easter. He since walked that back as recently as yesterday during uh, President Trump's uh, Rose Garden press conference. We heard him walk that Easter deadline that he set for himself and for the country. He's walked that back a bit because, you know, quite honestly, the numbers just don't they just don't support his uh, I guess his desire to, to reopen the economy. But you did you did again hear our state leaders, our state senators, Graham and Scott really follow suit with that whole springtime. Let's get things going. Let's be optimistic. Let's continue to do social distancing, you know, so just just want you to be very attentive to that measure or or rather that tone. I'm sorry, that tone. Um, This following bit of sound is uh, from an order that was issued by our governor, over the weekend, uh, on Saturday, Governor Henry McMaster issue, issued another executive order. This one is going to mobilize our National Guard. And so just take a listen as to what that exactly means for us here in South Carolina. New tonight, Governor Henry McMaster implementing an executive order activating the South Carolina National Guard and giving DHEC the permission to utilize its emergency powers. The order directs the Department of Health and Environmental Control to exercise all its emergency powers as outlined in the Emergency Health Powers Act, allowing departments to do what's deemed necessary to address the coronavirus pandemic. In addition, the governor is placing the South Carolina National Guard on state active duty. Shout out to our local NBC News affiliate here in Charleston, NBC News 2, for that bit of reporting. Um, I want to wrap up today's update with the tweet that was heard around the country, it seems like. It was a tweet from our attorney general, Alan Wilson, and it reads as follows. My office has issued an opinion concluding a governor's executive order during a state of emergency preempts local government ordinances. The opinion can be found here. And he then provided a link via Twitter. Uh, This Twitter, this tweet, this tweet, this tweet, um, it really sent um, some things in motion. Um, It caused local municipalities like the local council on Folly Beach to open the beaches back up. Um, the folks there had worked toward closing the beaches to folks who were visiting from outside that community. Um, they even had checkpoints that were erected that were then closed down. Uh, this inconsistency from not just our local government and our local elected officials, but even from the White House has really caused folks to, to just, I don't know, it's like jazz where folks were just playing it by ear. And that's going to have huge ramifications, in my opinion, for the public at large. So that tweet went out. And again, if you if you notice, it was an opinion. It was met with almost immediate opposition from not just the public, but from elected officials like Steve Benjamin. He tweeted soon after, in the interest of public health and saving lives, the stay home, stay safe emergency order for the city of Columbia here, and he provided a link, will be enforced effective 12.01 a.m. on Sunday. Uh, The opinion of the attorney general does not have the force of law. And so that came from Mayor Benjamin of Columbia. And and then you saw tweets from like folks like Bakari Sellers and it went on and on. And what I really paid attention to 
was the reaction from folks who live here in South Carolina, not just folks who live near a place like Folly Beach, but who live throughout the state. Because again, that inconsistent messaging has really caused certain leaders to come up with their own laws and ordinances and mandates. And it's really causing confusion for everyone. So I'm hopeful that we will see a more consistent message. Uh, What we saw this Saturday, though, after that tweet from um, our attorney general, we saw the beaches like Folly Beach reopened. So the the local uh, lawmakers there opened the beaches back up and it was splashed all across the news in the Post and Courier and, and other outlets. The beaches looked packed. It looked like, you know, early summer, late spring, anytime, you know, any other year. Um, and so that to me made me cringe a bit. I understand folks um, feeling a little bit of cabin fever. I myself felt that way. And um, I went to a local uh, green area and it was filled with people, but it wasn't packed. People were practicing social distancing um people were trying to launch boats here off wadmala's uh landing uh at least we saw folks not really like pack out the area um and that was encouraging because we all wanted to get out and enjoy green spaces but the beach looked packed and it sends mixed messaging and it doesn't really it just doesn't really keep us safe in my opinion so that's something to watch. Um, I did see in Sunday's paper, though, that the council, the local lawmakers on Folly Beach and I believe Edisto as well, they backtracked yet again and closed the beach to visitors and tourists. So um, and that was that happened because the local community members took to the streets and started protesting. They had signs. It was what dozens of people, as reported by the Post and Courier, who took to the streets and said, no, this is not going to keep us safe. Opening up this beach to visitors and to tourists is not going to keep us safe amid uh, a pandemic that no one has no one alive I think has never has ever seen anything like this so um, shout out to all of the community members who stood up and uh, stood up to our attorney general and stood up and stood up in support of themselves right who really just stood up for themselves and people have the power y'all so let that serve as as some sort of uh, hope and let that serve as an example of what you can do when we all band together and stand up for ourselves. You know, people power is real. And when we all band together as one, as a community, um, anything's possible. All right. So I'm going to wrap up my update for today. Y'all please stay healthy, stay well, stay home if you can. To all my Gullah Geechee folk out there, y'all stay black.